ending this, this call now. Hopefully we will have a good 30 to 40 minute conversation and make best use of uh, your time, Ashwin and Alex. Thank you for joining me on the call. Um, well, to begin with, um, how about how about you sharing a little bit, let's say 30 seconds, one minute um, about yourself, about what you're doing and what's your vision, especially what mm. you're looking for out, out of this call today. So yeah, let's talk about that. Um, Alex, you go first. Uh, thank you for the for the privilege to start. So I'm a former associate professor uh, from Tallinn University of Technology in Estonia. Um, I am now uh, primarily well a research entrepreneur. Losing you there, Alex. Yes. And hello. Hello. Yes, we lost yes. in the last uh, part. I, I was Can you say saying, that again? Um, I, okay. Yes, uh, I was saying I've, I've been into blockchains and smart contracts for many, many years. Uh, actually, smart contracts since I started my PhD in 2001. I cannot call it e-contracts, not smart contracts, because I, I didn't have that term. And blockchains, uh, I was actually missing in my PhDs. I would have loved to have that. And um, uh, yeah, so I'm now an entrepreneur working on a system for self-sovereign identity authentication, which is also very important for Web3. So this is part of, uh, this is uh, funded by the OntoChain initiative of the next generation internet uh, framework uh, of the EU. And maybe I, I'll leave it at there. I'm already beyond 40 seconds. Thank you. <laughs> got it. Got it. That that sounds like a great deal. And we're happy to have you here 100%. Um, Ashwin, oh, why don't you? Yeah. First of all, thanks for uh, arranging this call and this conversation. Just to uh, give my background, I think I'm a, a traditional Web3 developer. Let's call it that. I'm developer, nothing uh, less, nothing sort of less than that. I started uh, back in 2017 uh, with this uh, classic services company where I worked with a lot of uh, clients and helped them build, you know, blockchain products. Uh, I architected a few products, uh, laid a few products, developed a few products end to end, then sort of uh, started freelancing because I wanted to see the clients from all over the globe and not just be restricted to what the company was uh, getting. So I started providing services to a lot of clients. I have worked for Fetch AI, I have worked for StackOS, which is like decentralized Web3, uh, decentralized deployment infrastructure. So, and that's how I met my co-founder as well. And we both basically wanted to now do something of our own and contribute to this Web3 space. And our strength is basically technicalities, right? And the programming and the development of, of this Web3 space. So then that's how we come together. We join hands and then we started Cryption Network. And yeah, the goal with the Cryption Network is to build just the solid products, which are really good to use and which sort of tries to give the nice experience to the non-Web3 users and non-Web3 projects as well, who are trying to get into Web3 and they're not basically uh put on the back foot immediately by the onboarding and all that difficulties of the web so that's what basically we try that is that is awesome to hear and yeah i'm really excited about that because scription network again uh, looks like a solid um 
um, endeavor uh, to to onboard retail investors, uh, as you have mentioned, um, and users essentially in in a much easier and um, trustworthy format, right? So it's really exciting to hear about that. Thanks. Um, sorry, go ahead. You're saying something. I said thanks. <laughs> Absolutely, of course. All right. So, uh, talk. I think uh, let's let's start with the larger picture, right? Because we are here today to talk about. Um, uh, we have uh, to talk about the gap, so to speak, between the academia and the business side in the Web three world. And um, I want to kick off this conversation to uh, and by hearing about the larger vision that each of you have. Um, you could you could talk about your personal vision that you have from the from the technology. It could not be related to what you're doing today per se. Could be the larger vision as you as you deem fit, or and not necessarily could be from uh, your own company, but also from let's say uh, the business side of things. For example, for Ashwin, for you, and then um, Alex, what do you think from the academic side of things? Uh, where's the technology is going, and what is the bigger vision? that we should see or that you see today. So yes, happy to hear from one of you to, to begin with, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think the most ideal way or the most Web3 way of doing this, right, is having a university where it's, it's a DAO basically, it's a DAO for a university where uh, the industry stakeholders and everywhere, everyone is basically the part of the DAO. There is a systematic governance in place who decides and re-evaluates the syllabus, right? Uh, for the degree program, let's say, or for the credits that we are designed. And it's basically checked by the community for the community uh, to see if it's relevant. And if the stakeholders and this community, it's someone who is also going to provide the jobs, right? Who is also basically representing, let's say, the industry, like the compound protocol or the pioneers of the protocols, right? Then they'll also have an idea exactly what is required in terms of uh, practically working in the industry. So yeah, I think that's the ideal uh, version of uh, decentralized universities, I think. That's a great way to kick off. Alex, what do you, what do you have on that one? Yes, I, I, I want to fully agree there and uh, at the same time i see the challenges for the existing systems of universities being uh, you know <clears throat> organizations full of uh, big egos uh, who don't want to see change and you would be surprised that you know scientists who should be all for innovation are actually extremely conservative and innovation hostile Mm -hmm. And um, <clears throat> that means, you know, uh, they have the little little carved out areas. Typically, most researchers uh, move and um, that's it. That's where they stay. And I call them the establishment uh, system researchers. And uh, the, the system I'm talking about is systems of central planning and central control. In the end, with most universities, the money comes from the governments. Governments are into central planning and central control, and they only want to see innovation that furthers uh, central planning and central control. And <clears throat> they do not like to fund uh, with a happy heart anything uh, that um, 
does not reinforce their central planning and central control. And uh, also uh, the universities themselves are very much behind in terms of the education with respect to blockchains. And um, the situation uh, is actually quite dire, I would say, for the bricks and mortars universities who mostly see themselves as being superfluous, uh, with the exception of studies that require lab, like maybe empirical physics or chem chemical engineering, um, or, or studies like mechanical engineering, where you need, and everywhere where you need tools and equipment for labs, uh, for your, uh, for your, um, you know, workshops, workshops where you cannot really uh, so easily do that just virtually. Uh, but even there, I would say um, a lot might be possible in the Web3 with this metaverse idea. So uh, in that sense, my, my thoughts are actually even quite conservative. Yeah. I mean, studies like law or business or computer science, uh, that's natural or going fully online, yeah, uh, offering your courses worldwide online. And that's, of course, a massive threat uh, to mainstream bricks and mortars universities. But even for, even for these um, uh, studies where you need labs, I think once we have the metaverse uh, coming up and all these, you know, we oh, virtual reality coming in, then you don't even need those labs anymore. So this this is in principle, and now I'm I'm really pushing you know the sci-fi boundaries very hard, mm -hmm. um, but uh, um, that's so so ultimately bricks and mortars universities I think are pretty much obsolete, which is mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> quite a harsh statement I'm afraid. I think um, realistic in a sense. Yes. Yeah, fair to say, and I think that that also uh, um, goes along with uh, with Ashwin's thought, right? In terms of uh, there's a need, uh, best case scenario probably to create sort of a DAO, right? Where it's uh, it acts like a funnel in a way where it curates the education side of things, helps uh, the younger population upskill, and then provides a gateway to go into the actual like practical industry. Uh, and then apply those skills in a much better and efficient way. So, um, well, well, we talked about uh, I, I, Ashwin. You talked about the best case scenario, right? This is mm. what would be ideal uh, from your perspective today as mm -hmm. uh, a founder, as a co-founder. So, um, where do you see business helping um, such an institution? Could be a DAO or could be a present-day institution like, uh, let's say, one Alex um heads right so mm. how could how could we really bridge that gap because I, I as i can see from the two of you you seem to align in terms of the larger vision the conceptual side of things right so what is yeah. your role as an entrepreneur today to bridge that gap yeah yeah so one practical idea that comes to my mind immediately right after hearing this is let's say that uh, the universities uh, will sort of create the communities of students, let's say, who will be in charge of uh, interacting with the industry and making sure that the curriculum which they are studying at the moment in the university is up to date. And if it's not, uh, which it won't, as Alex said, uh, because uh, it's it's sort of outdated, then they'll raise this, uh, uh, let's say, question or they'll raise this point to the higher authorities 
and then uh, in universities basically can they take some action or basically listen to these inputs and in this structure where businesses come is that they can incentivize these communities by sort of arranging hackathons for example or sort of giving them some projects internships sort of all these activities in the campuses right so they are basically doing the job of making sure that it's a win win for everyone it's also a win for students it's also a win for universities because if the students uh, who are studying in the universities are not happy consistently year by year then universities will also be forced to take some action is what at least uh, my understanding is but alex can uh, help us better there if that's the case uh, but and yeah and as as in, as an industry or as a company web3 company can also get some fresh cream talent right from the campus if they arrange these kind of activities so it's actually a positive sum game for everyone just a practical like answer which comes to my mind immediately absolutely absolutely alex and alex from from your perspective uh, i i believe that you would agree with ashwin's thoughts but in terms of now we are talking from the user point of view right uh, the actual call it a student call it a young professional we are talking from that point of view you already talked about how the institution the way it's structured is sort of resisting to change but from the student perspective uh keeping ashwin's thoughts in mind in terms of working with entrepreneurs to encourage those hackathons working with professionals partnering with those professors uh to make sure uh, students get exposure to such such projects internships so to speak so how do you see that happening how how open or what do you need from like wearing a student's hat mm -hmm. how do you see that working yeah <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, um, in fact, you would need to have a master study program <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> first understand what are actually the needs, you know, what, what roles do you have in terms of uh, blockchain <clears throat> uh, people, you know, you have the general blockchain DAP project manager, you have the folder, you have the <clears throat> Uh, system analyst and so on. <clears throat> so there are different types of roles. Students are different. They have the different talents, talents and preferences. And actually, um, going going to the European perspective, at least uh, there's a massive shortage of people. And I think that's not only in Europe. That's pretty much worldwide <clears throat> because uh, this uh, blockchain technology is fairly democratic, you could say. Anyone can get in, no matter where you are. And and then you have the shortage of skills. It's quick to start a company, but then who will get the job done? Good advice. Right. <clears throat> um, so in that sense, um, there's a very dear colleague at the University of Tartu, Amundas Matuli Regius. It's quite a challenging name, but uh, <laughs> the project is called Chase. It's in so-called Erasmus Plus that actually has studied now for a couple of years, you know, what would be the profiles of students uh, who would train for blockchain industry, what are actually the needs of blockchain industry, what would the curriculum look like, and I actually I have done a little bit work myself with uh, the blocks project, uh, mm -hmm. it was another Erasmus uh, project, you just type in blocks 
ELCKS on Erasmus Plus. We will find the link. <coughs> so I developed a curriculum uh, for um, not just university students who are interested in the topic, but actually industry practitioners and, and so on who want to learn about this um, area of and so on and um, uh, see that, uh, in, so we developed a MOOC um, derived from this curriculum uh, that houses this curriculum model and um, example see that curriculum with courses <clears throat> and also added a gamification aspect. Um, so um, this, this it's very important to figure out uh, what the curriculum would actually be for students, not just on the master level, but already sitting on a, on a level. So I see very strongly that students are very much, um, uh, very much um, uh, indoctrinated to central planning and central control uh, in, the, in their thinking. <coughs> they actually change technology centralizes all of that, yeah, uh, distributes all of that. And, uh, I mean, this the systems we have now in place, and so the students have to start thinking philosophically in terms of central, uh, in terms away from central and central both distribution, disintermediation, decentralization, and disruption. Mm. And that's very hard. Um, that's like a bit of a culture certainly for the established uh, educational institutions. And uh, uh, this other project, Erasmus Plus case, <coughs> is very good. Um, uh, uh, edit, uh, Amundas Matulivicius from Tartu University uh, does excellent work there. So maybe you can search a little bit and add it in the end the link. Underneath them. If you don't find anything, you just ask me. But they have a very, <coughs> very good website with all. This. Also, I can share with you my blogs, um, MOOC, you know, yeah. MOOC link, uh, and so on. So, heaps of work that needs to be done. We are miles behind uh, on an institutional level. The students are mostly autodidacts yeah? who developed an interest and um, and just in to study themselves, but um, my experience is that even excellent students who score very well on exams, they are not typically autodidacts. Okay. Autodidacts are usually a, a small handful, and there are all sorts of students, uh, excellent students and weak students. Yeah? Just because somebody is an excellent student doesn't mean that person is capable of learning him or herself. In a very interesting realization I had. Sure. Hmm. Yeah, Ashwin, you had a you had a thought there. Yeah, basically, uh, as Alex said, that even the students are sort of indoctrinated for this traditional sort of mindset, and uh, it's it's then that's where I think the industry can come into play, and they can make sure that they are incentivizing the students uh, both uh, financially as well as let's say career wise as the future opportunity wise to encourage this kind of a thought process within the student communities that okay so this is not the only way for them where they don't have to graduate from the universities and like 
there is an alternate path where they can work as a team and everybody can uh, basically uh, work together as a community as a dao and basically the web3 is also a path which is kind of an available uh, career option for them so this is something which uh, industry can uh, come across and like put this point in the students mind yeah absolutely and i think um, both your points are absolutely true um, you give a great example alex there with both chase which has done a lot of extensive research in terms of what's the real disconnect the limited uh, limited supply in a way of um, good candidates to support the industry and then you talked about blocks which is uh, which i'll definitely share the link to both the both the um, resources but blocks is again a mooc like you said which you created which you helped create in terms of a gamified opportunity for a learner it could be a student or it could be an industry professional to get a hands on sort of an experience uh in terms of how each of the, so uh, i got an opportunity to understand to learn about the blocks um mooc ashwin uh, so the sharing from experience it had different verticals for different industry it had one for finance fundraising one for social so i as a user as a student could go and then follow those steps a gamified oh. version and then get a chance to learn about okay what's the theory side of it and how do i practically see that happening in the world so it was nice. a good good exposure in that respect so i really love that uh, resource but but to that point right so now we're talking about uh, students uh, helping them break the mold the traditional mold that they have in terms of education and then also the way to do that is through incentivizing them providing them opportunities right at the uh, doorstep right so that they have an easy transition there um to that point now ashwin you are uh, you are let's say focused on the indian the asian market in a way uh and then in terms of the in the the company that you're working in and the target market correct me if i'm wrong and then uh alex you are uh, sort of leading uh, the academic change in the european world so when we talk about these students when we talk about um providing opportunities for the business and uh, academic to come together do you see this global transition happening in some way let's say uh, just thinking out loud here but uh, for example ashwin could have students yes. uh, from uh, let's say european region uh, which are good enough for helping uh, run the, i mean uh, help in the business set of things and then similarly if you if you think that uh, opening alex opening up the learning opportunities not only european students but mm -hmm. let's say uh, in the african region or some region where the yes. adoption the adoption of web3 technology is higher because of the impact it's absolutely yeah. creating on ground so how does the global picture come into place because of your current focuses yeah. and if we can you know change something mm -hmm. there to make it much easier process uh, first of all yes and bringing here is uh, something I forgot to mention in the beginning. Um, one of my former PhD students who's now uh, working at the University of Galway in Limerick. No, sorry, University of Limerick, yes, in, in Ireland. He did a PhD about so-called NRENs. So these are national uh, research education networks. And uh, the student, former student of mine is called Salim, Sa'i. That is um, Salim, S-A-L-I-N, and 
S A A Y, Said. And um, uh, you will find him if you go to my, to type in my name, there's uh, the Estonian research uh, websites where I got my profile listed and he's one of the PhD students. But um, so he developed uh, an in architecture where it's possible, um, uh, and, and this is actually happening, yeah? Uh, so it's, it's possible then to share in regions, say in Central Asia, or among European countries, uh, all sorts of courses digitally. Um, so that's very exciting. That's one thing, um, kind of on a macro level. That uh, and this is even more challenges to the bricks and mortars universities. You know that uh, you kind of open up and you have these um, <clears throat> these uh, networks of of uh, education exchange virtually happen. And then the next thing which is happening, um, <clears throat> so in Europe we have these more traditional so-called Erasmus exchange programs, yeah, where students go for half a year or one year to a different university. Uh, but what is now happening is that um, there's a big demand for micro-courses and short-term courses. And um, <clears throat> so let's say people study on the sites, besides working uh, mainly, and um, so they have an educational deficit because knowledge has an enormous half time. Suddenly they have to do some blockchain DAP projects and they need some course. So it turns out maybe there is some course offered at some other university where they are um, uh, enrolled yeah, and they want to do a micro course um, <clears throat> for maybe three months. At the moment, at least in Europe, the systems, the educational systems, are not capable of catering for such a scenario. Yeah. So uh, these are the, the two other things I wanted to bring out. On the one hand side, uh, that um, despite a lot of resistance, there is this trends of sharing yeah, in regions of the world, educational material. And on the other hand, um, <clears throat> uh, going away from study engagements that trap you in for maybe a year or two years or even a semester but really go to micro courses and then you have kind of an agile education experience yeah and um <clears throat> uh, the systems uh, for that also need to be made ready uh so that uh, uh across, say, say maybe there's a student in ireland and uh works there for the it industry and Say in Tallinn, there's a course on offer, a short course, a micro course, uh, to bridge some at some gap in the knowledge yeah, uh, for some project. So then <clears throat> it should be possible to dynamically involve from, say, University of Limerick to uh, Tallinn University of Technology for such a micro course. <clears throat> and uh, this is definitely something where uh, students have a big need. Uh, where yet again the universities are hopelessly failing to meet those needs. Mm. Mm -hmm. Right, that's a very interesting take. Okay. Yep. And yeah. um, Alex, just to follow up on that, right? So, what is the f easiest step that, uh, let's say, you can take today to 
um, change the course because again, changing the whole dynamic of the education industry, the education system is a huge step, right? It, it's a long term project, but to uh, think about in smaller steps, one step at a time uh, um, point of view. So what steps would that be? And today do you get opportunities uh, to work with, let's say, local local entrepreneurs or local companies who are um, exploring the blockchain world, trying to create an impact there. So could you take any small step there to make things happen? I mean, I, I tried myself uh, meeting a lot of resistance. I had some some Erasmus Plus projects lined up uh, for for you know, creating the architecture for these micro courses and um, and so on. But uh, there's an enormous resistance by the central planners and the central controllers to, even if you win the awards for funding, there's still then mm -hmm. all sorts of craziness happening to, you know, throw the monkey wrench in, into having projects happen. It's, it's, it's very bizarre. <clears throat> I think some point uh, this can't be stopped. and uh, well we just have to keep pushing uh, this ah, this this uh, this famous quote of Mahatma Gandhi uh, first uh, they ignore you then they laugh yeah. at you then they fight you and then you win I think we have reached the fighting stage mm. I'm quite uh, positive that we are close to winning <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's that's a great way to put it. And kudos to you for doing all the heavy lifting at this time. So that's really awesome to hear. So, uh, and Ashwin, what what is your take on that one? For example, today at a ground level, when you're seeing this challenge of not getting the right crop of candidates, mm. and if you want to really solve that, uh, because the business cannot stop, right? The business is moving, and mm. it has to move at the right speed. So to solve that short term to long-term problem how, how do you try to address that yeah i think the simplest solution is then just to as even alex mentioned it just spawn the online universities and let the industry just come together uh, they have all the technical abilities let's say they have the technical resources they can easily create an online university now it's just matter of the mindset for the students that getting into online universities or a MOOC, let's say, which Alex has designed, right? for example, sort of, which is industry oriented and which is all thought through. But then getting into MOOC is also fine. And if you get a degree from a MOOC, then that's also very industry relevant and you're going to get an absolutely amazing opportunity uh, after following such kind of universities or the courses. So this mind, uh, mind shift or mindset shift will happen eventually as uh, we establish the fact that, yes, you're indeed getting jobs. So I think the industry then, uh, in the short term, if you want to solve the, this problem, then industry should come together. They should make sure that they are uh, in encouraging these kind of online universities and the MOOC activities. And uh, they should then also make sure that they're also giving the deserving platform to the candidates who are being, uh, who are coming from this pipeline, basically, which industry is trying to create. Sure, sure. That makes sense. That makes sense. And um, so I'm just checking the time here. It's 30 minutes. I want to make sure uh, you're making the best use. So how about we uh, we uh, keep the conversation on for some uh, another 10 minutes and uh, hope to have a good wrap up after that. Does yeah. that work for you guys? I hope I'm not exceeding the time that you have for me today. It's, it's fine. No, it's just 
Awesome. Awesome. So I think uh, coming back to the conversation, right, that we're having today. Uh, so far, the last uh, the last 10 minutes, we've been focusing on the current structure um, sort of being a, a gap in terms of the right tools for the students. Uh, uh, but there is an underlying assumption, right, that uh, the tools are not yet there for students. Uh, maybe because there's no uh, this less speaking or talking between the industry and the universities or the structure of the university education system today is different. But how about we look from a different perspective, which is let's say the students themselves are not an, are not keen. Let's say we have a less number of uh, interested students to get into this uh, into this industry uh, and into this uh, knowledge world. So do you see that is that is that truth in that also and if so um, how can we impart you know that knowledge that excitement to young kids today uh, to look at web3 as a new opportunity not only in terms of you know making money or getting a degree but also creating true impact that's that's the end goal right today so how do we impart that yes. knowledge to young kids i i see that very strongly uh, just Taking uh, the Estonian case, uh, so you have some preferred employers, the students. So there's a there's a, a list of most popular employ employers. It's very popular for North Times and other companies. Very popular. So they have a, some um, companies uh, that students like to aim for, and um, so there they can have the cushy job with the legacy tech. Let's say go to Swedbank, yeah, it's a traditional mm -hmm. Swedish bank, not at open to any box. Basically, they I'm not sure if they still have the policy, but they had at least the if they figure out you you're an employee and you even own black block, I mean cryptos, they fire you immediately. Mm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So they have a very traditional tech stack, you know, stuff that was cool in the 90s. That's good enough uh, for the students. Let's say you have some IT students, so take the typical Java Agile developer track, and that's good enough, you know, and then they have to they apply for, for jobs at Swedbank and pushing position, and they hope will be enough until they retire. Maybe it will be, I don't know, but um, I definitely see there's a lack of interest to, to innovate. Again, very surprising, yeah. There's a, a lack of um, yeah, interest and willingness to study in, in this direction. I mean, as I said, the, the offer is lacking, that's one thing. But on the other hand, they just, you know, the students just look, okay, where do I want to work? Ah, straight bank. See? Okay, what do they need? Uh, HR Java. Okay, I'll do this. Fair enough. I'll, I'll be sorted for, you know, the next uh, 30, 40 years until I. Maybe not quite realistic, but I'm afraid that's indeed how many students mm. think. Who are, at least those who are not too. Ambitious and more want to go with the flow. You have it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think and 
to continue this the majority of students right are going to be of this mindset because i think everyone's background is different they have not been let's say either that privileged to have this kind of you know exposure in the early years where they can think in these terms or oh, there is something more than the traditional jobs or or whatever whatever the reasons are but the fact is that there are going to be very handful of students who are willing to explore something which is out of their comfort zone right or which is not already established in the industry so that is that problem is always going to be there and i think the way to solve that problem it's just the hype kind of things or the economic incentives right or less that's why the coin ge coin coin market cap comes into picture they they get hooked to that cryptocurrency kind of a thing and they see that oh it's a buzz and even if it's yeah. not good in the longer run but uh, let's say that it's sort of a bit positive impact of this get rich quick scheme which cryptocurrencies offer to the students because at least they are putting up some point of attraction into this cryptocurrency uh, world right so students mm-hmm. usually get attracted to this so i want to do this i want to run at least then earlier there were only 10 students interested in the web3 now there are 20 because out of 50 10 find that oh not only the price is the selling point but the underlying technology, technology. is basically the future 100% that's a very true statement right there and do and i think this let's let's take this as the last question for this conversation and uh, slightly shifting to a different stakeholder because we talked about encouraging students of course it's a nascent industry we need to inform them and then comes the level of education and then comes the thought of okay we i can see a future as a career in this um talking about the first two stages of informing and uh, educating them how about the government's role what do you think about that because i think that's a very interesting angle i'd love to hear from the two of you uh, because we don't have any anyone representing the government uh, in, in that sense today so i'd like to hear what your thoughts are and yeah yeah because uh, okay and just yes, want to uh, wrap my thought there the reason i bring government uh, is not only because it's one of the biggest institutions in our current society but also because i think we have seen in so many examples uh, in india for example even in um, el salvador for example right so where if government takes that initiative to break that barrier and bring uh, democratize so to speak the bitcoin cryptocurrency or blockchain to a gra- to grassroots level that mm. gives an additional thrust uh in terms or, or trust you can say in people's minds and hearts that yes this is something that we can trust there's something that's reliable and we should really look into this uh, over a long term so what are your thoughts yes i would agree uh the the thing is some governments are more open to this than others um i mean governments with central banks have this symbiotic relationship mm-hmm probably on central banks and and so uh and central banks produce central fiat currency so if you come in with the bitcoins and so on uh, it's competition it's uh, so you have to then understand uh what do they really want how to i mean technology as such is kind of neutral and you can use it in many different ways yeah you can use it for good at even blockchain technology i mean you can also use uh, blockchain technology say in 
there's this famous patent from Microsoft, six, six plus patents about using your bodily energy for mining or so cryptos and starts to be very spooky yeah so uh, where the blockchains kind of merge with your body in a transhumanistic sense and everything gets and traced and blockchain is basically there to have full surveillance of so it's the other way how you can how you can use the technology of course I, I would like to use blockchain technology in, a, in the philosophically original sense of distribution, decentralization, disintermediation, and distribution. But uh, again, uh, this is something that most governments don't want to fully embrace. Uh, some partially embraced, most not at all. Unless the politicians can have their cuts somehow. Uh, so, <laughs> so they are talking about taxation and uh, mm -hmm. regulation to even more so on and control even more um so i think in some corners of the world for example i was in dubai for a month in the beginning of 2020 in february and march and what i saw there in terms of in enthusiasm for governance solutions was remarkable um, um, some other territories also been quite well. I think Singapore, is, mm -hmm. Estonia has a quite at least to definitely in small governments, small country governments, you always have this problem. This can quickly change, you know. So it's a government that is very favorable and and all free market. And suddenly this changes from one moment to the next and you get a very easy punitive laws being proposed. And uh, in principle, I think government can play a very good role if they're open to blockchains to legitimize that in the education world, education even already on the high school level. And also to support uh, flourishing industry or to allow an industry to lock them to down there. For example, if I have my own company um, about self sovereign identity authentication, um, which I will also share a link with you later. Uh, if you want any of that to happen, uh, <clears throat> uh, you need changes in the law. And True. for that, you need the governmental readiness. So blockchain has to be legalized uh, in order to finish, but it can also be criminalized. We have, I think, seen both from different corners of the world to different degrees. Of course, personally, I would to see eventually, you know, uh, following the, I mean, done this quote that we're winning <laughs> also in this aspect, and we have good legislation coming out to have both education in many levels and and also um, now industry to flourish in that respect. 
which then again gets into more need from an education space. 100%. It's definitely a flywheel. It's definitely everything's interconnected in a way. So everyone's doing their own part. So it's a slow process. It's an nascent industry, like like you just said. So definitely makes sense. Ashwin, your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. Same, same thought. I would say that governments are. I think governments have realized now that uh, they can't ban this technology. There is no, there is no use, right? Or there is no point in banning this technology because they can't really ban it. So if they ban it, essentially they're opening the black market for the very kind of thing which they are banning, right? So I think mm-hmm. governments are slowly and steadily realizing this. So we are sort of, uh, as Alex also said, starting to win the long fight which we had started a few years back. But uh, if governments do support this, right? If we have governments uh, support in this, and if they really uh, encourage this innovation at the university's level, right? Then I think it's sort of gonna legitimize the entire uh, Web3 space as a career for students. It's gonna give it an authority, right? Then there is there will be kind of some sort of trust around it. Oh, if the government sort of is also incentivizing this, then it means that. Uh, it, I can choose this as a career alternative or something of that sort. So I think the participation of the government is really important. Uh, and the regulations are also important, I'm of the view, because we as a humanity, I feel are not ready to use the technology uh, like blockchain uh, because we won't be using it ideally for 100% good reasons, right? We'll also use it for bad reasons. And for that reason, regulations are also required. So I think uh, slowly we will see uh, I'm pretty optimistic that governments uh, accepting cryptocurrencies and regul- regulating cryptocurrency space and also uh, incentivizing or encouraging it at the grassroots levels. We'll see, I think, in a couple of years. I think that's a very optimistic note. And with that note, I would just, yeah, just leave you. As a closing, closing remark, uh, closing remark. Uh, there's this very exciting, um, uh, very authentic, ideologically authentic trend towards full-on private um, uh, points. You know, you have the Moneros, you have the pirate chains, you have Epic Cash, and so on. Mm. So that's one thing. But also on the smart contract side, you have now um, what I heard of is this. Uh, smart country blockchain system which is fully private for Dero Dero.io mm-hmm. and um, so yes on the one hand side um, it's important to have government on board but when I, when I think about the implications there uh, I was actually thinking that if now this goes full on private everything yeah then um, the well, what you get is um, the governments have no choice anymore. They have to get on board. Exactly. So, they don't have any uh, option. They have no option left. Yeah, that's that's correct. So this is very exciting. Away from uh, the pseudonymous solutions, you know, like the Ethereum's and, and the Bitcoins, towards the full-on private uh, solutions. So I think this is this is very interesting. Thank you.
100%. And uh, I think we are on the right track. We are on the winning track today, as on today is too. And with that thought, one last question for the two of you, and then you get a chance to ask me a question, anything that you have in mind. My question for the two of you is, what is one thing that uh, you have changed your mindset on in the last, let's say, six months? You got to learn, you learned something, you read something, and then you thought, okay, I used to think it x but it's not really x it's y or something different is that something you must have read it you uh, it could be uh, related to blockchain or web3 it could be outside something related to life or could be anything but yeah anything in your mind that you think yes you changed your thoughts around it in the last six months uh, i think if you're in you crypto something. then uh oh sorry go alex please go ahead uh, no no you go ahead you go ahead please I was just saying that uh, if you're working in crypto, then every every 30 days or 60 days, you will have some point where you will think that, oh, I thought this used to happen this way, but actually it's happening this way. Now it's also in the good sense, but it's also in the bad sense as well. Because when I started uh, the company, right, and when I started thinking about the marketing side of things, which product needs, then there were a lot of things which I had not anticipated earlier. Like, oh, this is how industry works at the moment. So there is, I think, a huge gap or let's say huge space for industry to grow uh, in terms of marketing and how they all influences and everyone else working in the industry, right? So I think Mm -hmm. that's where... uh, uh, there is a lot of space to grow and as an entrepreneur or as someone who, in, who is working in, in the industry you have to acclimatize yourself really to work with that kind of a mindset absolutely that's a very true statement. makes sense makes sense alex uh, yes <clears throat> um, so my latest uh, realization where i completely wrong about some innovation in the blockchain sphere relates to nfts so I just thought, okay, that's now that's yet some some weird nonsense again. That the heck do you need this, <laughs> you know, for the funny monkey memes and, and, and whatnot. So it's a bit, if you know, maybe Dutch history. They had the tulip mania mm. in the, what was it, 17th century. So they had the golden age. Then they discovered tulips in Persia, Turkey. So. And they got completely nuts about tulips and started speculating. I mean, people traded their horses for a tulip bulb. And then suddenly somebody in the Netherlands figured out, oh, these are actually just flowers. Yeah? And then the entire tulip bubble crashed and they completely wiped it. So, um, so NFTs are a little bit like that. But now I actually realized this NFTs, fantastic tools as digital twins that allow assets to be onboarded into the blockchain space, where the NFT is like a like an anchor, a hook. Um, mm-hmm. uh, being a digital twin, and then around that you can build an entire token economy. So this was something where completely wrong. And and now I'm full-heartedly looking into all this NFT stuff. I mean, in, in the research sense, yeah, not not in a speculative sense, but in a research sense, where I try to explore them um, and see how NFTs can be combined with existing traditional research solutions, 
from from uh, digital twin research. Yeah. Absolutely, and, I think. And especially SBTs, Alex, just uh, to uh, give something as a food of food for thought. I think Vitalik just introduced the new standard, right? SBTs, which is the upgraded NFTs. I think those are really mm. really more useful than the NFT itself. Yeah, you yeah. want to say that again? Uh, what did uh, he introduce? With like introduce SBTs, like he introduced, the, he coined the idea basically, soulbound tokens. I right? see, I see, I see. Interesting. And super, super glad that Alex, finally you are on on uh, behind the NFT NFT thought, and that's really great to you, right? So I hope uh, Ashwin is on with me on that one. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so any any last questions that you have for me um, before we wrap up? Yeah, maybe one question. So uh, what's in the e-learning uh, domain? Uh, how do you want to take this further? Uh, certainly with your role on the one hand side, you say, I mean, you have a background from India, but uh, you're also based in, in the States. What are your plans there? Uh, uh, you want to say that again? Plans in terms of uh, for for the e-learning same e-learning track, you know, uh, what 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 you want to do there? Maybe you could respond yeah. to yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, like I said, the larger vision is to uh, sort of align the various factions in the society who are leading um, the technology in different ways. But like I said, I'm I'm still a small fish in the pond. I want to uh, take small steps one at a time. And at this time, my, my goal, I, I don't have a time to it, but my goal is to bring together um, leaders like you uh, global uh, from global um, cities and then have this thought process going on, right? Because there could be something that uh, let's say Ashwin could learn today from uh, Alex's uh, background. Alex could learn today from Ashwin's background. And similarly, spreading this um, uh, knowledge, not only to the global leaders who are joining me on this conversation, but to the listeners, hopefully, if I, if I, intend, if I uh, hopefully release it to the larger audience outside. So um, so that, that's the goal today um, with Very the good. sole aim of spreading the knowledge like we discussed, right? So in people are not yet informed, especially the students or the younger population is not really informed about this technology and what impact it has. They have just uh, got to know about the technology from the fad perspective. OK, this is crazy. There's a lot of money moving around. Get rich schemes, right? So but there's no real education in the right sense that's going uh, mm -hmm. at the grassroots level. So the, the yeah. goal is to uh, help push that uh, side of things. So hopefully yeah. uh, I can contribute in smaller ways. So yeah, really, really excited, but really excited. This was the first uh, conversation and I'm so happy that it was the two of you that I got to speak with. Uh, I was hoping for a 30 to 35 minute conversation. It went for almost an hour, which I'm super glad. Um, thank you for your time. So yes, does that Thanks. answer your question? Yeah, yeah, good, very good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very interesting indeed. I was going to ask the same question, but now since uh, uh, Alex has asked his question, I'll ask the lighter one uh, on the other side. You say that you had been following Bitcoin when it was $200, right? So mm -hmm. how many Bitcoins do you own now? I, I, I actually I am sort of a trader so I or not now I am an investor hold 
uh, uh, I'm behind the whole uh, whole bandwagon now. But yes, yeah, so I don't. I think it's half a Bitcoin or even maybe less. I'm just I'm uh, just joking. You don't you don't actually need to reveal your wallet address or your portfolio. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, all yeah. good. But yeah, just want to say I should have held right. I should have held for a longer time. So I did not. Yeah, but, yeah. but for your vision, right, uh, Akshat? I think. Uh, uh, you can uh, few few like inputs from my side would be you can also try to create a community around this because you have a very specific niche right like web3 and education so you might want to try to create some student communities and try to get their inputs as well who would they like to hear and that's how i think you can also continue to create a dao kind of thing where you are mm-hmm. actually hosting this as a podcast in a decentralized way absolutely that makes a lot of sense that actually makes a lot of sense gives me a good direction so yeah thank you appreciate that yeah uh, let me know if you need any help then 100% i'm going to come back to you both of you hope alex is okay with that but yeah, <laughs> yeah. yes yes absolutely awesome awesome yeah. all right thank you thank you gentlemen great talking yeah. to you have Thanks. a good day ahead you too great yeah. meeting you alex you. also okay, bye see you yeah bye bye Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Alex, what's the name, Alex? Alexa. So you can Alexa. Now ask <laughs> perfect, <laughs> perfect, perfect. Awesome. Bye, Alexa. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Have a good day. Thank Thanks. Good day, gentlemen. Yeah. Bye. Bye. You too. Bye.